Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Gannon and I am your host. Before we get started, I want to talk to you about a project that we've been working on with Wrenchway. We recently launched something called Wrenchway Insiders to help technicians get their voices heard about what they would like changed with the industry. It's a really simple program. We ask industry-related questions through a weekly email. You answer them, and they're, normally they're pretty simple questions, uh, whether it's a poll or a survey. But then we take that data and we turn it into content to help educate shops. On top of that, you can win some pretty cool prizes. It's a safe place to give feedback on your true feelings without worrying about everybody seeing how you responded. To sign up, head out to wrenchway.com, click on the resources tab, and look for the Wrenchway Insiders link. As for today's podcast, our guest is Alan Sims from Revolution Automotive Services based out of Norwood, Massachusetts. Let me start out by saying I, that I absolutely love the way Alan runs his shop. If you see Alan's shop, it's as impressive as any shop out there. To, and it's extremely clean, extremely organized. Alan has an extreme focus on not only customer satisfaction, but the satisfaction of his employees as well. And we're going to dive into that today. I'm really excited to learn more about him and his operation and, and just learn more about uh, how we make the industry better, how we, how we make that employee satisfaction better. So, Alan, how are you? I'm doing well, Jay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Uh, I'm really excited to get you on here and, and really talk about a pressing topic. But before we get to that, let's start off with how you got in the industry. I know you started as a technician, but why don't you walk us through a little bit of how you got into this business. Okay. Um, so I actually, uh, it's interesting because I've always had a, a passion for cars since I was a little, little kid um, because we never had one in my house, actually. Um, I grew up on welfare and we, we in a really tough neighborhood in, um, in Framingham, Massachusetts here. And uh, yeah, we never had a car. So I was always fascinated by cars and I always wanted a car. Um, played with cars, taking things apart, tinkering all, all my childhood. Um, and then, you know, when I was getting ready to pick what I want to do for a living, you know, I, I had such this passion for cars still, I decided to go to automotive school after high school and, um, and landed myself in a, eventually in a, in a Mercedes, uh, independent shop and just kind of never looked back. You know, I, I, I've enjoyed it ever since now I've been doing it for my goodness, 22 years now. Wow. Um, makes me feel old. I don't feel old, but that makes me feel old. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a cool part of the story, though, and, and something we don't, we don't get to talk about as much in the industry. But I'm fascinated by how people get into the business. And the fact that you didn't have a car and that's what drove you is mm -hmm. incredible. I had no idea. Yeah, not many people know that about me. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I grew up with minimal means. <laughs> and a family with no no vehicle and uh, we rode our bicycles everywhere it was uh yeah it wasn't fun but <laughs> well I, it, you know what though i think it teaches you a lot and 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 based on our conversations and and learning more about you I, it it really i think you've you've made something out of nothing right like you you've really kind of you've started from the bottom and worked your way up through so Talk to me about your shop a little bit. Like talk, talk to me about how, you know, what, what kind of shop do you have first and foremost? And, and what do you work on? 
and then we'll kind of dive into the like the I don't know your day to day, like how you run it, and 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 kind of just your general thoughts. But uh, what, what kind of shop do you have? So we have a um, we specialize in German cars, uh, Mercedes, BMWs, Audis, Porsches, Mini Coopers. Um, we do do Volkswagen, but we don't market for Volkswagen because it comes with a different kind of clientele. But um, <laughs> that's that's what we specialize in. Um, right? I, I started the shop. Interestingly enough, and coincidentally, today is the eight-year anniversary of when we opened our shop in two thousand twelve. Congratulations! Yes, and so I started with just myself, rolled my toolbox off a tow truck that I was driving at night and weekends to supplement income in case this whole revolution thing didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, went on a limb after running, running someone else's um, Mercedes business for seven years and, um, went on a limb and started this with one bay. And then in, you know, eight years later, here we are, we're seven bays and we have six employees. We have three techs, one of them's an apprentice, uh, one master, one like B plus A minus guy, and then um, and um, and then myself. I I fill in too. I fill in and turn wrenches when needed. Um, but we're always looking for good help to kind of fill that spot, so I don't have to do that anymore. But um, yeah, we got uh, a service advisor who's a rock star. Um, he is an amazing um, relationship builder with our clients. Um, he has an average repair order right now of about $1,300, which is wow. just incredible. Excuse me. Our goal was 1300. He's actually at just over 15. It was 1503. Oh it was 1503 for the month of July. And I was like, man, this is, this is insane. He is a rock star. Yeah. He's a rock star. We love him. John, he's excellent. And then we have Paula who we recently hired to kind of help be John supporting cast because this, the phone's been ringing too much for him to kind of keep up and we wanted to keep him in a sales position. Wow. Yeah. What a growing yes. business for, I mean, for, for eight years in, uh, and like you said, when you, when you start and you're doing kind of the side stuff to, to supplement the income, to make sure that it's afloat, I, I think that's where your upbringing really helps, right? Like it's, it kind of is that, I, I hate, it's kind of cliche to say, but the chip on your shoulder, you know, like that you, you want to do well and, and not go back to that spot. Right. And I think that's, uh, I don't know. I, that's really, really enviable. I think that's the coolest. That's the coolest thing. It's one of my wife's um, uh, passions and complaints about me. Uh, <laughs> I never. I always. I'm always. She loves that I'm always trying for more and striving for more and working for more. But she hates that I'm never satisfied with what I have. <laughs> I, I. I'm the same way. I. I. You no, know what? My. My wife's the same way. I. And. And it is truly like, you know, growing up and, and going through school. And, and uh, I remember sitting down with a guidance counselor at one point uh, when they're talking about what you're going to do after school and, and basically him saying, you know what, Jay, college isn't an option for you. Like, and then it's a after that, like when they say that point, it's funny just to kind of see the, uh, the disappointment <laughs> in their yeah. face. They're like, yeah. oh, you're, you're going to, you're going to tech school, huh? I'm like, well, like, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I, I love cars similar to you and I, I this is what I want to do. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that and I want to touch on that. I know we're a little off topic with it. That's okay. My, my guidance counselor and my vice principal in high school sat me down and talked to me about what I want to do after college or after high school. And I said, well, I'm going to go to, I want to work on cars. And they told me that was a bad idea and that I would never be able to make a good living to support a family. Uh, I'll tell you two years after I started this place, I'll guarantee you 
I was making more money than they were making to put together. Yeah. And, and not, <laughs> and not only that, but like it, you think about it and, and not to knock anybody with a four-year degree, right? Cause there's, there's definitely like, there's a need for that. But the, the fact that anybody in education would downplay somebody's somebody's desire to do something just drives me absolutely nuts. Like I, I just don't get it. I don't get why you would, why you would, you know, your job in education is to try and help make people better. And if you're, if you're just discounting, you know, half of your population because they're not going to go to a four-year school or it's actually more than that, you know, what's, you're not doing your job. Yeah, exactly. And now I have, now we have people that work for me that are making more money than these people who are telling me I'd ever met than they make, you know, it's interesting. We all have our place in this world, but I mean, yeah, that yeah. I'll always remember that conversation because it just made me work harder to, to prove them wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way. And I, I, I think there's a lot of people that are, that go on the similar path that we went through that, that have that same chip on our shoulder. And it's because, you were kind of, I don't know, I always took it as a kind of a sign of disrespect. And and I've talked to my other, I've got friends in education now and, and in leadership uh, kind of positions in education. And that's one thing that I talk to them about is that, hey, listen, just because they go to a trade school, or maybe they don't even go to school, they just, they don't go to college, they, they just go directly into a trade. And I, I've got some friends that are really, really successful in plumbing or in, you know, they're electricians that make a pile of cash and are really good at what they do. And they love, you know, working with their hands, but they were in the same boat that I was coming and, and that you were where they just didn't get, you know, at, at the time of day from a guidance counselor because you weren't going to a four-year school. Yes. Yeah, no, it's, it comes, unfortunately, our industry doesn't come or any trades really. Yeah. Um, they didn't come with a very good um, stigma in society, but I think that that's changing. I do too. And again, that's part of what I wanted to do to revolutionize this. I wanted to create a lot of good jobs for good people and, um, and, and, and just revolutionize the whole, the whole way the automotive repair is looked upon. You know, we yeah. have a, we're painted in a negative light for the most part. Um, and I think that, I think that it's just not true and it, and it that image needs to be turned around. I 100% agree. So that leads me to your mission. And I, I'm fascinated by your mission because I think it's a, I, I think it's a, a really noble uh, and true, like that you're, you're, it's not just a mission, like a lot of companies where you just throw it up on the wall and you say, <laughs> you've got it, you, you truly live it. So walk us through your mission. What, what is your mission and, and really what does it mean to you? So our mission is to revolutionize or to improve the automotive um, service and repair experience for all parties involved, the, the, uh, the business, the consumer, and the employees of the business, um, and all of those who we work with, our vendors um, of all different kinds, be it parts suppliers or you know, advertisers. We work with a lot of different people um, as, as a business, as an entity, and, and I believe that everybody that works with us is, um, you know, feels good about that and they, they have a, a positive relationship with revolution and and they um they all feel like we're being brought up everybody's got something to gain here um it's not just me sitting on top of a pyramid of people getting rich yeah. um i'd like to be rich not there yet but i'd like to be yeah. but i'd like everyone else to come with me you know all ships rise sort of a mentality um so yeah our, our mission is just to improve that experience the automotive service and repair experience for for all parties involved into, um, and we have a tagline here. It's, um, 
a revolutionary experience for every client every time and and we live and breathe by that um it's written on our board outside uh, above the office and um it, you know it's kind of what i check people on well does this equate to a revolutionary experience for this person yeah <laughs> and if it doesn't then it's not good enough we <laughs> Try need again. to fix it right yeah and we need to improve this yes that's and, um man that, that's great there's so much that goes into it we have a meeting every week to talk about this um to talk about our our systems our processes our our pitfalls, where we can improve. We follow up on things every week. There's accountability in place for everybody. Um, Cause it, it really, it really has to be run like a, like a company, not just yeah. a, a small business. It has to be run like a company and, and with formalities and we, we really get formal on things. How, how did you shift your, your, your mentality from maybe a technician mentality to that, right? Like, so when, when you started off as a tech, and that's one thing that I see a lot of tech struggle with, is that transition from uh, from you know working on cars or working on equipment, and going and taking that step to either service management or ownership or you know it's a it's a different it's a different mindset, isn't it? It's a totally different mindset um, because as a technician, you just want to fix everything, and your mind is not geared towards the, um, the business end of it or the financial end of it, or even the customer experience end of it. And sometimes in some cases, it's more of a, um, I have, my mission is to fix this, whatever it is. And then, you know, if I, the mentality used to be like, if I can fix it, I'll get paid to fix it. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I got to figure out how to fix it and fix it. And then I'll get paid to fix it. But that doesn't work in business. <laughs> it's uh, quite different. Yeah. All, all parties don't win and, and I would be the one losing. So uh, <laughs> it just doesn't work. It's not a good transaction. So right. uh, honestly, training. I, I, I realized really quickly after I opened this place that I need some training. Um, I ran another company, a small business, smaller business than ours, um, not far from us. And, and that was a great learning experience there. But it, it, he wasn't doing it right. You know yeah. what I mean? yeah. And we had no training available to us. So I needed to get training. So I sought out training and I sat in this um, service advisor, service advisor, master, what was it? It was like a service advisor academy, I think it was called. Yeah. And because um, I had never had any training on being a service advisor and I didn't know about financials. And I'm going to give a shout out to Cecil Bullard. He's the one that taught the class and he really, you know, it changed my life. Yeah. I came back and, and just, I, I had so much information and so many changes to make. And, and then you just go and you make all these changes and go, Oh crap. what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> Things are great, but then I make too many changes at once and then everything's falling apart. So you, you learn to kind of put these things into place over time. And, and, um, but it totally changed my life. That was my pivot point, getting education. And then once I got education, I realized how much more important it was and how much I realized how little I actually knew. Yeah. <clears throat> and I've just been kind of an education junkie ever since I go to every training course I can. I try to be actively participant in, in every course and, and I send all my people to training, um, uh, like right away. My service advisor came to us, um, from a totally outside our industry, which I think is just the best way to come into a service advisor uh, yes. position. Um, and he, yeah, I put him in a, in a, in a year long course and it was just an amazing transformation to watch him like 
get educated and learn this, this, this position in the automotive shop and to be where, from where he was knowing nothing to being where he is now, where he's like almost a master of it, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and he's, he's just killing it. Um, so we offer that to them and our technicians. I mean, everyone, I just, we send everybody to training. It's required. It's part of their pay plan, but they embrace it because it's part of our culture. Hmm. We, we pride ourselves on knowing what's coming at us before it comes at us. And, you know, as far as the technical stuff and, and with the cars, you know, yeah, we get training on new products before they come in. So then when they come in, Oh, we've seen this before and bust out the manual if you need to, but you, we usually know what we're doing. So th- that kind of brings me to what our, our real subject of today is right. And, and why we're talking today, which is, taking care of employees and, and really uh, even, even just hearing you in, in what you've said already with uh, trying to get everybody to, to, to come along with you on your journey to, to make money and to, to really grow. How do you, how do you, what does that mean to you to, to really keep your employees happy? Well, I mean, it means everything to me to keep them happy. Um, <clears throat> in eight years, I've had one person leave. Well, I had two people leave. Uh, one left because he, he, he was moving across country because his wife got an opportunity of a lifetime, and that's understandable. But I had another guy leave recently, just uh, in June, uh, so two months ago. And um, it, it, it hurt. I take it personally because I had so much invested in this person, and I, I was blindsided, and I didn't see it coming. But it means, the, it means a lot to me to have happy people here. I do everything I can for my people. I stick up for my people. Um, you know, if my guys and gals, they know that if, if someone's missed, they, they know that I'm going to have their back no matter what it is. Um, yeah. And they come first, not the customer. I mean, I love my customers and we need them. But, you know, if I have a customer in here mistreating one of my employees, I'm not going to stand for that. And I've, and I've picked up the phone and called people back and say, hey, listen, I just listened to this phone call and this is just unacceptable. And I, I don't believe that this is, this is, we're going to be the right fit for you. Wow. Forward because he was totally bashing my, my guy on the phone and, and it was just unacceptable. I wouldn't take that from someone talking to me that way. I'm not going to let someone talk to my people that way. I love that approach. And, and I, I actually read a book called the no asshole rule. And that, <laughs> that was a, that was a part of it, right? It was just to yeah. say, you know what, like there's, there's a price to pay for somebody mistreating your people. And, and that, I love that you were proactive in calling that person and saying, Hey, you know what, that's just not right. That we don't do business this way. And I think once you start to accept that and accept it uh, in terms of how they treat your employees, that can make life really, really bad for an employee. Like that, that's, I've worked in situations like that where you, you just, it's not, you hate going to work at that point, right? Like if you, if you're just putting up with a whole bunch of customers that are, that are, uh, I don't know, unruly and it's just part of the, the deal, then it's just not a fun spot to work at. Exactly. And, and, and it also speaks volumes to your employees and your whole team sees that you did that and you know, we're not going to take that from people. And I'm going to stand up for that purse for you, for anyone on my team, I would do that for. And um, it just, it, it really solidifies the relationship and they, they know that I have their back and mm-hmm. that, um, and that they're very important to me, um, which they are. They're all, they're very important to me. They're, if it weren't for them, this place wouldn't operate. 
the yeah. way it does. And you, the people are more important than really anything else, in my opinion. So we take and, good care of them. And I, I, I think that's a, that's a really, really key point, right? Because I, I don't think, I think a lot of people say that. I don't think they, they execute on it, right? Or they, they don't, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, from the standpoint of truly caring about people, uh, you know, I think from from technicians in general, but like anybody, I don't care what what position you're in in a in a shop or wherever you're at. Just having somebody that just cares, like like that, that, and treats you like a person rather than just a hey, go in the shop and do your job, and and you'll get paid at the end of the week. Great, um, you know that relationship is so volatile, and those shops tend to have a lot of turnover. Whereas somebody like you who is treating people right, you're just not going to have the, the turnover. And I think when people leave a situation like that, it, it, even the guy that maybe left in June, it probably pained him to leave. You know, it wasn't like an easy decision. Um, yeah, we had tears shed on both sides. It was hard because he left because he didn't want to be a part of a multi-store operation. And mm -hmm. I don't understand why. And we're looking to go multi-store in 2021. Yeah. And um, I don't understand I just don't understand it, but well, it's tough, yeah. right? Like, well, yeah, it was hard for both of us. I mean, we had a lot of blood, sweat and tears together. He was here for six years, which was the majority of our growth. And, uh, he saw this place evolve and he was a big part of it. And mm. I mean, we treated him like family, you know, he came out in the boat with us and it was just, um, yeah, it was a tough one to swallow. That's a kick in the gut that yeah. it, it, it's tough. And it's, it's something that I've struggled with in the past too. You know, I, I really take pride in taking care of our people as well. And, mm -hmm. and I, I think I've, I've really, uh, from the standpoint of our own team, uh, talked about how, you know what, even if you leave find a wrench, uh, at some point during the course of your life, I, I want it to be on good terms. I want you to, I want you to grow. I don't want to be the reason, uh, that, you have growth restricted, right? If it's, mm -hmm. if it's something where you're just an absolute rock star and you, you've got a higher ceiling, then take that opportunity, you know, what, whatever it is. But I, you know, the ones where they're with you as foundational pieces, that is, that is truly, um, I, it's hard to, it paralyzes you, right? Like it, it just, it, it's hard to come out of that. It is. And you know what? It's actually working out for our favor because um, as it turns out, I'm finding out after the fact that he was the, the Debbie Downer in the meetings when mm -hmm. I wasn't here. And he was a Debbie Downer in the meetings when I was here too. But <laughs> he was just kind of a grumpy guy, but yeah. he was excellent at his craft. Yes. Um, so, when he, but I mean, I was, it was what, what, what made me so happy about this. And I love to do this with all my employees. And this is probably one of my codependencies, but he, he came here making, you know, he had four years experience. He came here making 13 bucks an hour on the clock. And when he left, he made in excess of 120 grand. Wow. Cause he could produce that much and yeah. he was that good. And we, that's through all the training. So that kind of, that makes me feel good to be able to give some, uh, what I like to do when I pride myself in is providing a platform for success. If you're hungry, when you get here, we're giving you everything you need to, to go eat. Like you, you, there's a lot to eat here. You just gotta go get it. If you go and execute our processes and, and listen to us and do it our way, you will make a lot of money. Just do it the right way. That's the, if you just focus on that, the money will come. Do you get any pushback on that? Like, so from, from the standpoint of a, uh, an employee maybe saying, well, I think my way is better. 
Or so, do, you, do you have it pretty well laid out foundationally? I, we used to get pushback from people with new hires, but now I, I altered the hiring process and we went to a three and sometimes four step um, process of interviewing and everything and background checks and referrals and so on and so forth. But I, I actually, I, I haven't called a referral on anyone in, a, in the past three or four hires now. Yeah. Um, and it's because I just, I'm very diligent with these people, you know, and I get a feel for you and, and I think I'm a good gauge of, um, people and, and I feel if you're a good cultural fit, we can train the rest, you know, yeah. you got to have a certain aptitude, but if you're a good cultural fit, I can train the rest and I got the, I got the process in place to do it. Um, which took a long time to develop, especially in the midst of fixing cars all day and doing this stuff at night. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's a true mindset change too, right? Because that that's truly that that evolution to a a leader and a manager uh, to to take that step, right? It's uh, I I think if the technicians that are out there listening right now, I, I think you've got so much insight to be able to offer them in terms of that transition. And if they ever do want to make that transition, that mm. it is possible, right? Like there, it's not like it's impossible, uh, but it's very difficult. I mean, my message to technicians out there right now would be that if you're not happy where you are, if you're not really seeing a future where you are, there's something better out there. Mm. I think they have no idea what their value is. I know I didn't at the time when yeah. I was working for other people, I did not understand what my value was. And um, there's so much better things out there. I mean, the guys that come here, they love it. I mean, people don't, I, my, one of the biggest things or roadblocks that I get to with hiring a technician is they are, you know, if they're in a dealership, for example, they don't yeah. want to leave the dealership because they feel a sense of security of something big. that's not going anywhere. There's always cars coming through the door. They have air conditioning. They have built in toolboxes. It's clean. It's neat. It's a process and there's accountability. It feels, it's like a child. Like you have to have like, they have to have routine and accountability and, and rules in place. And dealerships for the most part have that independent shops, many do. And I'm, I'm, and I'm amazed at some of the places that just blow my mind even. Yeah. And then, but for the majority don't, right. And it's not that hard to shine in this industry, but people come here and I, I just, my biggest challenge is getting a technician to come down here for an interview. And when they get here, they go, Oh yeah. Oh, Oh, this is different. This is not what I expected because it's epoxy floors, it's air conditioning in the shop. Oh, it's gorgeous. Um, I mean, it's, it's, everything's run well. There's, it's clear, clear organization systems, processes in place, happy people, happy cars, happy customers. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just a nice friendly place that people enjoy coming to work. Every it makes day. it, makes it fun. Yeah. And yeah. that's uh, when you spend that much time at work, you better have some fun. Otherwise it's uh, it's going to be right? a drain. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how you discipline somebody then, right? Or if, if there's a, if there's somebody that maybe isn't following a process or isn't, you know, getting to work on time, for instance, so, you know, something along those lines, how do you, how do you talk to them, maintain the happiness, but then still kind of get your point across? So we have a storage container out back. It's called the hot box. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the most northeastern response I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, no. I mean, um, I do it through a pro. <laughs> I uh, I recently, and I got to credit my coach um, Dan for this one because uh, he he kind of introduced me to this 
catalytic coaching method or like a, he calls it transformational coaching. I mean, and, and, um, and it's awesome. I, I basically just talk to people. We have a meeting, an initial meeting at the end of a 90 day probationary period with a new person or with everybody when I first put this into place. And we kind of get like, I get a feedback from them on what they want. Right. And, and then I tell them what they want and what I need from them. And then we kind of fill out a form together that's going to go over these topics that we discussed. And we're going to meet again in 30, in a couple of weeks, actually, but the process takes about 30 days and two weeks. And we're going to, we're going to, I take them out to lunch and we go over this stuff again. And basically they're, they're telling me what they want or what they need from me as an employer or a manager. And I'm telling them what I, what I need from them. And we're agreeing upon it. Yeah. So we're coming to a mutual agreement of, of what our goals are together in our relationship. And, and if they're wavering from those goals, all I got to do is pull them aside and say, Hey man, we, 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 we talked about this. Like what's going on? Something wrong. Can I help you in any way? What can, is I, am I not doing something you need? And it's a very friendly transaction. It's not or interaction. It's not, they, they feel they committed to it. We've shaken on it. We've agreed to it. It's written down. Like we, there's no gray area of what the expectations are from each of us. Now, there's been cases where I've slipped up and they said, Hey man, you said you were going to X, Y, Z. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I know you, you're right. I totally forgot. I totally made a mistake. I will do that right now. And, uh, and apologize. Cause I'm, I'm human. I make mistakes too. Um, but it's, 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 it's accountability on both ends. Um, and, and I, I'm very open with all of my staff that, that we need to be able to have constructive criticism and accountability and, and, um, how should I say this? Um, Conflict. Conflict is okay. I agree. Conflict is okay. You can come to me and call me out. I'm not going to chew your head off or fire you for it. Just come to me and and, and talk. And and if you're upset about something, you gotta you gotta confront me. If you just you know, we don't have any space for. Oh my God, what's the word I'm looking for? For um, passive aggressiveness in our shop. There's just no space for that. It's toxic to a culture, and it's going to eat things away. And that that turns out to be one of the issues that we had with the person that left a couple of weeks ago, unfortunately, but I couldn't get them to do that. So that's how we handle it. We, it it's basically, we may, we have an agreement with each employee and we all have clear expectations. And if they're not, if they're not being met, then, then we address it right away before it turns into a big festering problem. Um, and, and that has really eliminated the, any arguments like I've had them in the past. Yeah. Yes. Before I learned this, but that's really eliminated arguments for us. Everybody knows what's expected of them and they know if they're not doing it. Right. <laughs> I just, it's my job to call them out. Yeah. So do you see any impact to their confidence when you go through some, a process like that? Yes. Everybody here feels empowered. Uh, I think it's empowering to people, to, especially to someone who's never been through something like this before. Yeah. Um, they feel empowered to be able to, you know, to, to know what's expected of them, have the, have the um, empowerment to do it, whatever means are needed to get there to do that within our guidelines. And then to be able to call me out if they feel like I'm not holding up my end of the deal mm. or whoever else is, you know, whoever their supervisor is, you know? Yeah. So uh, I think it just, it kind of puts it, puts the power in their hands to succeed or not. Do you ever get a, a so this is one, this is from my experience where, you know, I felt like, um, I, in this scenario, uh, I, I would have this happen uh, quite a bit, right? And especially in my early days of, of managing technicians, where 
you'd get them, you know, to burst in the door and say, this is, this is bullshit. You know, this is, <laughs> this is not right. And, and I kind of, I did adapt and, and got better at it, but I still at some po- at some level had, had that happen. Technicians specifically, do, do you see that? And then do you, how, how do you adapt? How do you, how do you make sure that doesn't happen? So I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm kind of like, um, the Bill Belichick of shop owners because <laughs> people come here that are known problems and they're not problems when they get here. <laughs> and I, I don't know exactly what to attribute it to. I think it's just that the expectations are set higher mm-hmm. and, and that I'm a pretty cool cat to work for. I grew up in a rough neighborhood, so I've had, and I could deal with people that are aggressive like that. They always want to like, it's usually more often a customer than an employee that wants sure. to, you know, pump their chest at me. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. I could handle those people because I've grown up in that environment and I know how to handle those people and I can work with that. But in my staff, it just never happens. It just doesn't happen once. I can remember somebody really trying to pump his chest at me and be all ticked off. And then, you know, we, I, we went out back and had, a, and had an assertive conversation. I didn't yell and scream at him, but we had an assertive conversation. He yeah. was yelling and screaming, but I wasn't. Now I know I take them all back for that because I'm never going to do that in front of everyone else. I'm never right. going to bring someone down in front of them. And not that I brought him down, but I had to calm him down. <laughs> and um, it just doesn't happen here. I, I haven't had to deal with it because I think that it's all in the way that I conduct myself yeah. in, a, in, a, in a high level professional manner. And I treat everybody with the utmost respect um, that everybody deserves. And people in turn treat you that way. Um, I, I, this so the body shop next door. I'll hear the owner yelling and screaming at mm. people, right? And then I, customers, employees, friends, right? He never once talked to me that way. I do not talk to people that way. I don't know what it is, but I just conduct myself in a professional, respectful manner, and people seem to reflect that when they're dealing with you. Yeah, I. And I think our industry, that, that's a big part of evolution within our industry in general, right? Is that, you know, I remember growing up and people throwing wrenches and, and <laughs> screaming. And I know it's still out there because I've seen it. Um, but I I think for the ability to attract new technicians and then keep the ones that you have, you can't manage that way anymore. Like it just, it's a, that to me, that's a, a disrespect thing to to the technician. And And granted, I think we all have our days where, uh, it, it, it might not be the case, but I think, you know, 95% of the time or 99% of the time, if you're able to, to really, to manage that way with respect and, and, you know, I, I think what I love about your approach there is the candor and, and, you know, shooting them straight, but at the same time being really caring about it is, is huge. And, you know, I, I see so many texts that don't feel that they're managed that way. That's just it. You just got to care for people out of the box. I mean, <clears throat> for us, it starts in a, in a technician's. We, we, we pay for having their toolbox moved over here. Hmm. Um, and we, we basically, I mean, as soon as we have an agreement that you're on, coming on board here, you're under our wing now and we're taking care of you. Like you're on the wow. team. You're on the team. We're taking care of you. We pay to have the toolbox moved. I have very open dialect with them within that two week period that they give their notice. Um, I have constant dialogue with them then and, um, to, to kind of make sure, like a lot of times the, the, the boss, wherever they are, will tell them to hit the bricks. They don't want them on the team anymore. 
if they give their notice, they're kind of like, screw you, get out of here. Yeah. Or more often than not, it turns into a hostile environment and they just don't want to stay there anymore. And I'm very understanding of that. So yeah, we just, we, we have their back at all points throughout the, throughout the process of employment here. And, um, and people feel that and they're not going to disrespect someone who's got their back. They're not going to blow their top at someone who's always had their back and never done it to them. Yeah. And if they do, well, maybe this isn't the right place for you. See, and that, that all kind of circles back to the, the culture, right? And I think what, exactly. you do, what you do as good as anybody is set that culture from the start. And, exactly. and that's probably why you don't have those blowups and you don't have that stuff is just because you, you have, you, as soon as they start, I mean, that, that's such a, I, it was kind of a light bulb thing for me right there too, where uh, from the time that they agree that they're, uh, that they're coming to work for you, that they're, they're now a part of you. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of people listening to this that could learn from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's about people and you got to take care of the people and take care of your people. And, you know, I, I just always, it's, they're my family. You know, I spend a lot of time with these guys and they're my family and, um, you know, that I treat them as such, you know? Yeah. I, I, I love your approach there. I, I think that is, that is so sorely needed in our business and in, <laughs> yes, in our it industry is. today. Uh, we need, we need more Allens out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, talk to me about, uh, pay, right? So you bring them in, you treat them like a family and you, you know, you talk about kind of lifting everybody up along with you when, when you get them on and, and you want them to earn, you know, at, at what, what's fair, um, without breaking the bank, how, how, how do you approach that? Like even from, from understanding how to pay or, or what dollar amount to pay, I know that's a, that's a big area of, of maybe disconnect for a lot of managers is like, we pay it this way because that's kind of based on the rest of our shop. And we, we just don't know <laughs> what, what we should be. Uh, how, how do you really kind of dive into that? So I have a budget. I mean, I, I always wanted to pay everyone lots of money and I, I was a guilty of overpaying and, and consequently underpaying myself. Mm. Um, but you know, and, and underpaying the, and just should I say kind of like, you know, robbing the business to pay these people. I, I, I would take it for myself, take it from the business to keep them highly paid and happy. Yeah. Um, but that just, it's not sustainable. So um, now I have a budget in place for every part of the business. Um, and there's a budget for labor, which is technicians, a budget for the front office and sales, support help, you know, owners, whatever it is. Um, so I think that's very key to, to dial in your numbers and have your budget um, laid out. And then, yeah. and then you can form like a plan of how you can uh, approach this. You know, you got all these cars to get fixed. Maybe you can't afford a whole bunch of a techs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, maybe you can afford one or two a techs and, and some supporting staff that can handle the parts that they diagnosed or, or tested and found wrong. You know, it, you got to figure the plan is going to work for you, but I, I offer a pay plan. I designed my pay plans just recently, um, redesigned them <clears throat> post COVID because it just, the pre COVID ones were not really working for all parties involved. Again, it has goes back to our, our mission. It, this has to be working all well for all parties involved and it wasn't working out well for the business. So we redesigned the pay plans. We had a major staff change coincidentally at, you know, about the right time for us to, to change the way this was because um, our other master technician was just coming off his 90 day period, probationary period where 
they always come in making a, a lower amount for 90 days and then gives us a chance them the chance to work our systems we figure that we we call that a training period mm-hmm. they're learning how to use use our systems and, and and utilize our platform to make money and we're figuring out how to utilize them to maximize efficiency out of them so now we redesigned the pay plans and and everybody gets a piece of the whole pie and it's i probably won't get into the details of it but you know everybody's paid a percentage of their pay to for the time that they spend here including overtime I always pay overtime and then they're also paid a uh, they're also paid a dollar amount based on the number of hours that the shop produced as a whole and we monitor their personal production hours so that we can keep that keep track of that um, cuz everybody here prides themselves in being 100% productive or better and when they get that like week where they're like 130 they're like Woo, look at this yeah you know it's just <laughs> part of our culture it's fun they don't actually get paid any more for that they get paid more in the fact that they build more hours and work less time and they get to make the money on the commission on all those hours but um, but everybody get a piece gets a piece of the whole pie um, and even our, even our apprentice gets a small piece of every hour build in the whole place. Cause he's the one that we grab, Hey, push this brake pedal. Hey, turn the key. You know what I mean? He's the guy that gets right. yanked to do all that stuff too. So he had a, and he, he also washes all the cars. So he, um, he has a, a part on every car that comes through here as well. So everybody gets a piece of the whole pie. Well, I, I think just valuing that apprentice, right? Like that, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I, we talk about mentorship programs all the time and, uh, you know, it's, it's funny to me because I had walked into a shop at one point and said, you know, who's, they, they talked about, you know, the ownership talked about the mentorship program and, and they said, okay, this guy is mentoring, you know, this, this, uh, kid that's going through tech school right now. And so I went out and talked to him that like, as soon as I was on the job, and I said, so how's this? I talked to the mentor, right? Or the, the men, yeah, the mentor himself. And I said, Hey, how's the, how's it going with this? And he's like, what do you mean? Like, uh, you're mentoring, you know, this, this kid that's in tech school. Uh, nobody told me that. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it shows you how much, it shows you how much they care. Right. Like it, it's, it's, um, like the, the communication that not even tell, the lack of communication and not even tell the person that they're the mentor. I mean, it shows you from the start how, how good of a training that person probably got. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I, I like what you said there because I, you know, valuing that apprentice, I think it puts even, even maybe a little bit of a mind shift uh, into uh, the technicians and how they view the apprentice too. And, you know, maybe that apprentice can, help them book more hours if they're able to pump the pump the brake while they're bleeding brakes or something like that. You know, like it's, it's, it's uh, you're valuing that person's time as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody here has a value and they all know that and they, um, and they all have in, they, we don't like, we don't do the reviews part of that, that transformational coaching that I talked about earlier. Um, it's not just good for that. That's not the whole point of it. Isn't to, for discipline, although that plays a part in it, it's really to help, mentor them to get where they want to go and achieve their uh, professional goals. And, and I always throw in there a personal goal. And of course we always have a book to read it also. Everybody's got to read a book a year. Really? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> what, so what are you reading right now? So yeah, right now we're reading extreme ownership and it is just, it was a phenomenal book or we just finished extreme ownership. It's a phenomenal book. And um, I, I, I read it and I said, I want I want my team to read this, the whole team, everybody. So, um, 
they read the book and uh, we're going to, we just talked about it actually in our meeting yesterday. We have a weekly meeting and um, it's just a phenomenal book. And I think it'll help everybody here evolve to become leaders of some sort, you know, because pretty much everyone here is teaching someone else here something. Yeah. And if everybody can, and like I said, we're intending to go multi-store next, next year. We've already been looking at a few deals that haven't gone through, but I want this team to grow and I want to be able to promote from within and I want them to train the next people coming up under them and them to be leaders moving forward for the, for the next people that get hired in here. And, wow. and it's really kind of like the, you know, the farm league I'm growing here because it seems, it seems like it doesn't work to hire people that have been doing it before. It just, so I like to, I like to kind of grow them myself. Well, and, and to be able to expand uh, to other locations, that makes it possible because yes. then you have, you know, and I think from a growth standpoint, from a technician or from even, you know, if you're a service advisor or administrator or, you know, whatever you are and you see a shop that's in growth mode, you see opportunity there for yourself as well, right? Like you, you see that, you know, I'm not going, I don't, if I don't like to just be in this position for the rest of my life, I see that something else is on the horizon. Well, that's, that's just it. And my last hire, Jason, he's our master tech right now. And um, I hired him with every intent on him moving up and he wanted to move up to more of a, a managerial position. And that's what he wants to do eventually, but he still, he still loves doing what he's doing right now. And he is, um, he is mentoring, quote unquote, our uh, our apprentice right now. But he loves that. He loves teaching. He loves helping people. Well, so in that in that scenario, do you have? Um, are you training him on soft skills at all, uh, or is is it primarily technical training? Or you know, how, how does that look? So you mean as far as Jason, our master tech, who we want to move yeah. up? Yeah. So we want him to move up. He's not taking those skills, those trainings yet. Although right now, this not. Like, the training is limited right now because of COVID. Um, sure. But in 2021, man, I'm ready to hit the gas full steam ahead again when, when things start opening up and we can hopefully everything's safe and we can send people on airplanes. I mean, I fly people around the country to go to training. I, I, I take them out to California, Minneapolis, Utah. I mean, you name it. We've been all over this country for training. And we, we usually try to find a fun time while we're there also. It's, it's, it's a group trip. Like we love those World Pack SDXs. Or, or vision, we go out there and we, we learn and, and we play and we have a lot of team building experience in that time, you know? We, we should probably uh, uh, treat that a little bit better of, on of the finer end side because the last two years for vision, we've, uh, we've packed up on a Friday morning, mm -hmm. drove down, uh, worked the show, and then drove uh, and then worked it again Saturday and then drove back. So within a matter of like 48 hours, we've got I think a total of 14 hours driving and then uh, the show and everything yeah. like that. So uh, we, we, uh, I know it's, it's always fun on that Friday night. Yeah. We'll go have some ribs and normally by the time the show gets done, there's only like one rib joint open yeah. yet. And, and so, but I mean, that, that is the, when you see the shops that are at something like a vision and we, we talk about this internally with our team, that's typically the top of the top shops, right? Like yeah. that you're, you've got folks that are, are pretty premier within the industry that are going to that because it's, it's yeah. expensive to send people there, but uh, the, what you can get out of that. And if you look at it as an investment, I think uh, there, there's a lot of value in that training and, and even, even that bonding that goes along with it. Right. And, and going into those places. It is. And you know, it's, 
it's fun too. And like I said, I'm a training junkie, so I'm definitely biased to it. I was more inclined to do it than the next guy, but people call me crazy. I close my shop for four days and we go fly halfway across the country to a, um, to an automotive <laughs> training thing that I paid all this money for and I'm losing all this money and lost business and yada, yada, yada. But you know what? When we get back, we have a, we all know that we, we still have to meet our goals. At the end of the year, we've met our goals. At the end of the month, we've, Maybe we didn't meet a goal that month, but we make it up for it in the next month. At the end of the year, if we crush all our goals and everybody made a great paycheck and we learned a lot and had a lot of fun, who cares? The customers have never complained. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, and, and you're, you're planning for it, right? Yeah. And you know that, that it's coming. And, exactly. I, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's a cool it's a cool benefit too, right? Not, not everybody does that for their tech. So I, I think uh, that... You know, we're, we're kind of rolling up on our hour here, but that's one of the things that I just, I don't know, everything you talk about here, Alan, you can hear it in your voice. You can hear it in, in the way that you approach business. And, and I give you a lot of credit for growing uh, as a technician and then into the management side and, and really trying to set the standard for what a great shop looks like. And, and I think you're going to have no problem when you start to open other locations, uh, being able to, to translate uh, your success at the single location to multiple locations. I, I, I don't think I'm probably alone in, uh, in that field. Certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, COVID always makes it a little more, a uh, little more uh, uh, risky, but no, I, I, I don't know. I, I think you've got all of the elements to uh, to to expand to multiple locations, no problem. Um, and I don't know. I I, I really uh, I can learn a lot from you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Hopefully, uh, some listeners here will learn some things because um, you know that's the point. I love the I love what you're doing here, and I love attending these podcasts when I get the opportunity to because I'm always a big fan of being able to you know spread the wealth. And like I said, my mission it's kind of my personal mission is to improve this. Um, to make this uh, automotive service experience better for all parties involved. I mean, cars aren't going anywhere. They're evolving, but they're not going anywhere. And people are always going to need them yes. taken care of. And they're getting more and more complicated. And a lot of guys are dropping out. And COVID pushed quite a few shops in my area to close. I can think of four within, yeah. within the 10-mile radius that closed. And um, it's just, uh, you know, those people need someplace to go. We're just trying to capture them and show them the light. Well, that's uh, you're doing a you're doing a pretty darn good job at all of it. I I, uh, I commend you on everything. So thank you for being on the podcast today, Alan. I, I hope we get to have you back on again. I, I know there's a couple subjects where I feel like we could have probably dove in <laughs> right. way deeper, but it, it would have taken up the entire uh, hour. So we'll uh, <laughs> another we'll time. Hopefully, yes, yes. We'll hopefully get you back on again. Yeah, I'd love to do it. Thanks a lot, Jay. I appreciate you having me.